Hello, this is Sonia Hines, and welcome to Spotlight. The month of April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and National Child Abuse Prevention Month recognizes the importance of families and communities working together to strengthen families to prevent child abuse and neglect. I had the pleasure of interviewing Andy Berger. She is an author and founder of Voices Against Trafficking, and she also began her life as a victim of trafficking. In recognition of National Child Abuse Prevention Month, I'll share with you part one of that interview. Now, Andy, this is a very personal issue for you. You are referred to as a victim, advocate, and champion. Tell us about your journey. Well, before there ever was a term called human trafficking, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, my immediate family and extended family members were involved in trafficking me from the ages of six months to 17 years old. And so there wasn't really a place or a way for any of that to be revealed, especially when family members are involved. We call it familial trafficking these days. But back then, uh, things were so bad. By the time I was five years old, that was my first attempt at suicide. And so, you know, in my life, God interceded. I did not jump in front of that car that day because in my heart, I just heard a voice that said, this is not the plan I have for you. And I trusted it. And so the last time my birth mother tried to take my life, I was 17. And I just knew that if I lived, I won. And if I died, the evil people in my life won. And it was kind of primal that way, but that's how we plugged through and then went on to pursue education and business and try to be successful in other areas so I could help others. Obviously, God, but what would you say, were there people that were put in place in your life to help you work through these issues? Well, in that time period, that culture, no, not really. There were people I found out later that kind of knew or suspected, but they never came forward or didn't didn't want to be embarrassed if they were wrong, things like that. But I will say, uh, with school, I had a great teacher in sixth grade, and she taught me how to write. And she taught me how to express myself in a way that I hadn't been able to before. So I'm always eternally grateful for her. And as I started writing and expressing and I went through the years, I really didn't have a support system, which is so critical for victims uh, when they're trying to heal. So basically, when I was in my early 30s and I was married to an abusive husband, I went to counseling and it was through the counseling that I got the healing I needed for all the memories and the identities. And I learned how to communicate better and how to respect myself. And I learned a lot about me in the process. We hear a lot about trafficking in the media. Tell us about what it's like for these young people today that are being trafficked. This is just one of the worst things in our country, I believe, because for victims, they don't have a way to reach out to community to get anything that they need for themselves. The traffickers are very stealth. So let me just give you a couple of statistics. One is every 40 seconds in America, a child is abducted. That means they are taken or they're lured into a situation that looks safe, and then they're taken from there every 40 seconds in America. That means it happens in every neighborhood. It's not exclusive to rich or poor or anything like that. And we need to get a better handle because globally, it's a $160 billion industry. $99 billion of that is sex trafficking. So we are using our children as products and allowing it to happen by not making the predators pay the full price, full extent of the law. And also now with our our situation nationally with the borders, we don't have control. We can't even vet where these children are going or who is supposed to be helping them. So how do we protect our children? 
One of the things I suggest, you know, people say, well, where do we start? We'll get quality information, which is one of the reasons Voices Against Trafficking brought out their book. One short example is every family should have a safe word or a password that only they know. So let's say you have a a 13-year-old and he or she's going to go out and socialize with other friends and maybe something happens. They feel uncomfortable if somebody touches them or they get bullied. They could text that, that word and you would know immediately to go help them. And it's just kind of a safe way. We also have to open the conversation up again with our kids, with our guardians, people that we trust with our children, uh, 18 years and under, and even in the college system, because we need to make it safe for them to tell us anything, even if we don't understand it or we don't like what they're telling us. When my boys were small, we always had a code word so that no one could pick them up without knowing the code word. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, the stranger danger thing may may have worked for one time period, but right now with social media, the Internet, the onslaught of predators that are smarter than most adults at this point because they're getting away with it. And they know how to attract our children, our students. There are college kids that are actually paid to recruit young people into trafficking rings because they can make $2,000 just to introduce one young person to a trafficker. Join me again tomorrow as we continue our conversation on trafficking with Andy Berger. This is Sonia Hines with Spotlight. Thank you for listening. Spotlight, a public affairs program of the Mars Hill Network. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the Mars Hill staff, management, or board of directors. Inquiries and suggestions are welcome. Email them to spotlight at marshillnetwork.org or regular mail to Spotlight in care of Mars Hill Network, 4044 Mackay's Road. That's spelled M-A-K-Y-E-S, 13215.